0: I used to love snow as a kid I crossed my fingers hoping for those snow days and when we were blessed with the day off I would bundle up and take off outside to find my friends to play I was the youngest of three kids my sister was 17 or 18 at the time and my brother was 15 so they didn't often want to play with their little 8 year old brother that was fine with me though because there were a lot of kids in our neighborhood that I liked to hang out with. We liked to play at the dead end of my street, because it had a cement driveway, but they never built the house, so it was just an open field, and it had a patch of trees behind it too. We made bases there, we hid stuff in the trees, and even started building a crappy fort or clubhouse in it. My house was too over from the plot, so... It wasn't even that far from home, either. It was another snow day, so... I got dressed, grabbed some snacks, and took off out the door to gather some friends to play around. One of them didn't answer the door. Someone's mom answered another, but said they couldn't play because they had to finish chores. Another one was sick, and a couple others couldn't play at the time for other reasons as well. I did finally get somebody willing to play, but... They had to get ready and said they would meet me there, so I walked off to our little play area and waited. While I was waiting, I decided to kill time by gathering snow to make some sort of igloo, or what a child would call an igloo, and I started storing up some snowball ammunition. Being a child, I started getting bored, so... I tried to figure out something else that I could do with my time while I waited. That involved me going back into the trees to see if I could find any new treasures or anything to make my base better. While walking through, I would pick up sticks, rocks, peel some bark off of trees, just things like that. Things that I liked or thought could be useful. While back there, I ended up getting distracted looking around and had gotten pretty far in. I ran into a small creek with a large pipe in it that I could walk over like a bridge. Going across it, there were more trees, but there was also a small bare area. Like, there was a perfectly empty patch. I at first thought it was really cool as a kid, as it was the perfect place for us to sneak away and really have our own place to hide. Right as I started to try and figure out my way back, I noticed a funny-looking snowman between some of the trees. I approached it to look at it more, which made me realize just how odd it really looked. It was short, a little shorter than me, and the snow looked dirty like it had been there for a while. Like maybe they used the snow prior to the snow that had fallen the day before, maybe? And the head was probably one of the weirdest, because instead of being round, it was long. Like they failed to make it round, and just laid it on top and said good enough. It then had pieces of bark for eyes, and antlers for ears, I think. And nothing else. Being a kid, I was amused. I thought it may have been a friend, or someone else that just did a bad job at it. Of course, I forgot to mention that I could also be a bit of a jerk when I was young, which led to me wanting to roundhouse the head off of the snowman. Which I did, and then soon regretted it. I kicked it, and the head hardly moved. I thought this was odd at first, but then I thought someone really packed the snow in. So I tried punching it, and this time my hand seemed to stop and then it started hurting. At this point, I was less confused and just more annoyed that I wasn't able to destroy the snowman. So, I tried tearing at the snow, when I finally found why it wasn't budging. The head had a center to it, and that center was a skull. It looked like it was a deer skull, maybe based on how long the face was, which also explained why the head was elongated but the worst part was that the skull was not clean. It still had patches of skin and fur on it. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little terrified, so I took off to find my way out of the trees. I did find my way back, and two of my friends were out there using my base as their own. After being accosted with snowballs, I finally convinced them to stop, not because I'd had enough, but because I had something to tell and show them. I explained to them what I saw, and they wanted to see it too. So, we walked back into the woods trying to figure out where I was. Thankfully for the snow, we were able to follow my footprints back there. We finally found our deer man, and they seemed to think it was funny. I personally did not. With the patches of flesh on it, it was just... Creepy to me. However, they wanted to take the head back to our area, but kept telling each other to grab it. They played a tough part at first, until it came time to actually touch it. So one of them decided to use their hats to put it in, so they didn't have to actually touch it. However, when we tried to grab it, it wouldn't budge. This made all of us curious as to why, so I stood back and just watched them struggle with it. They started tearing apart the rest of the snowman body, and it didn't take them long for them to get to the center to find the rest of the body of the deer bound by rope. It was nightmarish. It had more of its body intact, though, but just looked bloody. That finally made my friends no longer interested in it. We again took off. We ran back to our base and swore to never tell anyone because we didn't want to get in trouble. We sat there coming up with all these ideas as to what it was, why it was there, and nothing we came up with was good. Was it a curse? Was it a way for someone to tell us to keep out or go away? The following weekend, more of our friends were out playing with us, and one of them that saw the deer thing with me could not keep it to himself and told the others. Of course, some of them wanted to see if it was still there. After telling them no several times, we finally just gave in and took them to find it. It took us a little longer this time, and part of the reason was because we finally found things that we remembered, but the snowman remains in the deer was nowhere to be found. One of my friends pointed out further behind a trail where the snow looked to be disturbed. We followed it for a few feet when we started seeing footprints following what I now recognized as drag marks. The footprints eventually stopped behind a tree and then disappeared. One of my friends pointed out that it looked like they stopped facing in the direction of where that snowman was. All I could think about was... Was someone watching us that day, and where did the prints continue? How did they go anywhere else without leaving prints? I told them that I wanted to leave, and we headed back. For quite some time while we were headed out there playing, I got this weird feeling like we were being watched. I was always checking in the trees to see if I could see someone, and I never did, but I felt paranoid. I never told my parents until I got older. I told my siblings, and they both thought it was weird and sounded like someone who needed help, but again, I was afraid I would have gotten in trouble, so I just never told my parents. I was reminded of this during our last holiday as my older sister brought it up around my parents, so I had to explain to them what happened. They didn't seem to believe me at first, but I texted my friend Toby, the one that had tried to grab it, and he was remembering things that I had forgotten about. So they finally did come around, and well, they were horrified. They said they wished that I would have told them because of how creepy it was, but they don't even live near that place anymore, and it was years ago, so it's not like there was anything we could do now anyways. I will say, though, I'm glad I never met the person that did it, and I really hope that I never do. 2020 was definitely a weird year for me. On one side, I would say it nearly saved me, but I also experienced one of the most terrifying things in my life. In late 2019, I started to try to date again. I'm in my early 30s with the little 6-year-old girl. I got a divorce in 2017 and was finally tired of being the third wheel, so... I thought I would give it a try. I had a few people match, and we went on a few dates, but there were never any sparks. That is until I met Cliff. We matched and started talking for a while to get to know each other more. He was kind, funny, and seemed observant, and he remembered things that I just wouldn't expect. My profile says that I have a kid because I know a lot of people have a problem with that, but I mentioned having to take her to the doctor, and he asked me how her appointment went. Just very considerate, and I really appreciated it. So, after a few weeks, we decided to meet up for a first date. Cliff seemed to have the perfect story. He was married young, his wife had cancer and had died. He moved back in with his mother to take care of her because... She had cancer and ended up passing too, and he had no one left, so he was really looking for companionship, and I could understand that. I was feeling lonely too after only having a small child to talk to for hours on end. We really seemed to hit it off, and we had a great time, so we planned to meet up again. We actually had a few more dates that seemed to go fine, but... Then I started noticing these things that were just a little off. He started to get really clingy. At first, I kind of thought it was cute. He was asking me when he'll see me again, what am I doing tomorrow, just things like that. Even after a night out, I would get a message from him by the time I got home saying he already missed me. Like I said... It was cute at first, but then started to get more... clingy. I didn't want them to meet my daughter, and vice versa, until I knew there was potential, so... She hadn't met Cliff yet, but he always asked about meeting her. He said she could come to dinner, asked to go to her school recitals, appointments, and I declined. Saying that was still a bit too fast as she was barely grasping the idea of her parents not being together anymore. But he still pushed it. This worsened in 2020, when we started going into lockdown. I have a rare lung condition which puts me at a higher risk, so I took it very seriously. I started working from home, thankfully, which limited my time out as well. He, however did not want to stop seeing each other. I told him I just wasn't comfortable with this due to the circumstances, and I was hopeful that this was a good way to spend some time apart, and really get to know each other more outside of just food and hugging. He seemed almost oblivious to the world around us, though, literally asking what I meant by that. I then told him about my condition and he said that we could always move in, since he already takes care of his mom, and he would have no problem taking care of us. I couldn't tell if he was joking or not, so I just kind of chuckled. Then, he told me he was serious, saying we were both here to try and settle down, so why not do it, and just become a family. That was about the time that I really said I think we need to slow it down, and apologized. I felt like I was giving him the wrong idea. I was in no rush to get married again. I was still young and just wanted to enjoy my life, but with a partner in it. He really didn't seem to get the point. For weeks, he continued to ask when we would go out again, almost to guilt trip levels of, maybe it's because you found someone else. I get it. I can be a lot to handle. "'There are better people out there, and you deserve more,' and on and on. "'I was having a stressful week as it was, so I ended up calling him "'and having a one-sided argument telling him he was being way too clingy and whiny, "'and all he said was, "'I'm sorry,' over and over again until I finally hung up. "'Of course, being the type of person I am, "'I immediately felt awful.' so I called him the next day and apologized, and suggested that maybe we could go to a park or something. That way it was in the open, and maybe just relieve some tension. And he agreed. The date went well. It was like he was the person that I first met. I enjoyed it. He even hugged me when I was complaining about work, and it actually made me feel loved. It had been a few hours, and my mom was watching my daughter, so I told him I had to go, and it was almost like telling my daughter that we had to leave a friend's house or the park. He whined, he complained, he said that he didn't want to. He asked for five more minutes, it was honestly crazy. I asked him to please respect my wishes as well, reminding him that I had a daughter that I had to take care of. That's when he quickly went into his pockets and pulled out a ring. He asked me to marry him in the middle of the park. There weren't many people around and none noticed, thankfully, but I had to tell him no. And then he asked me why. Shocked and at a loss for words, I just left. He called and texted me several times on my way home. When I got there... My mom noticed that I looked stressed and asked me what had happened, and then I had to explain it to her. She then said that she didn't like this guy, saying that he seemed dangerous. I didn't feel the same, but I definitely agreed that he was way too clingy, so I promised her I would put some distance between us for a while. In that night, I called him after my daughter had gone to sleep, and told him that we needed to stop seeing each other for a while. He didn't take it easily, as expected, but I think he was out of excuses and bartering chips, so he gave in. He would text me in the morning, saying good morning and good night around the time I put my daughter to sleep, and then slowly started adding in, hope you had a good day at work. I wouldn't respond, though, hoping that he would eventually get it. This went on for a few weeks, so I finally responded to him once, saying, Good morning. I was trying to be nice because I was never the type to be aggressive like that. My ex and I split up because he was verbally abusive and starting to become aggressive. I was the one that has always been quiet, and that was a bad idea, apparently. Again, We just started talking like we did when we first met, so it was fine. And then I received flowers delivered to me, from him, as well as a small bouquet with hot cocoa addressed to my daughter. The problem is, I never gave him my address. So I called him to ask how he knew where I lived, and he just said that it wasn't hard to figure out. I tried telling him again that he was crossing the line involving my daughter, and again he would apologize, stop for a week, and then do something else to push me. One time I was taking a shower while my daughter was watching TV. After I was done, I could hear her talking to someone. I knew my mom was going to be over soon, but it wasn't supposed to be for another hour. So I started walking to the living room and calling for my mom since she was early, when I saw Cliff sitting on the couch with my daughter. I was just in a towel, so I screamed at him, asking why he was here and telling him to leave. The whole time, he was quiet and smiling and left while my daughter was scared and crying thinking she did something wrong because she had let him in thinking it was her grandmother. I called him and told him that this was the last warning and to never come back. He... Apparently, didn't understand what that meant. Because I'm pretty sure it was the same week, he showed up at my house shoveling the snow from my sidewalk and driveway because it had recently snowed. Before I even went out there, I called the cops and I told them what had happened. Then I went outside to tell him that I had called the police and asked what the hell he was doing there. His answer He was trying to prove to me that he could be a faithful husband. The cops showed up, and I told him what happened. Since he hadn't actually broken in though, or hurt me or my daughter, the only thing they could do was make him leave, and warn him that if he came back without my permission, that he'd be arrested for trespassing. Thankfully, he left. He apologized, giving his normal guilt trip speech as he did and then thankfully I didn't see or hear from him for about two weeks. No calls or texts either, so I thought that he finally got the message. It seemed like my life was finally going to get back to normal. Due to my deadlines at work, I had to go in one day a week, so my mom was watching my daughter on those days. On one day, I was coming home late from work. The temperature was below freezing at this point, after having a few higher temps during the weeks, so everything that was melting had now frozen back over. My driveway is a slope, so it's always a pain to walk up it. And that's when I apparently slipped, hitting my head on my car door mirror and passing out on the driveway. I don't know how long I was out, but I didn't come to until I heard, "'Mommy?' coming from a little girl. I knew that scared call, and it immediately jolted me awake. It's dark, my crying daughter and mom are staring over me, and that's when I started to feel the pain. They called an ambulance and had me taken to the hospital, where I was able to talk to my mom and the cops more. They explained that I most likely slipped and hit my head, I had a nice impression of the arrow of my mirror in my forehead, but that wasn't the main reason they were there. When my mom pulled up to my place, they saw a man kneeling in the yard, and they didn't know who it was. My mom immediately called the cops, and as she opened the door, the man took off. When they approached my house, they saw me lying on the ground where the man was, with my shirt jacket and shirt open. They asked me if I knew anything, remembered anything, but I didn't until I heard my daughter. They did tests, but they think that my mom might have stopped them before anything else happened, and then they asked me if I knew anyone who would try anything like that. I may not have been fully awake, but I had an idea. I gave my report, and my mom described what she saw as well. Based on the build and jacket that she described, I knew it was Cliff. It wasn't hard to get him to admit it either, especially when they call and text you asking if you were okay. I pressed charges, and he went to jail for a while, and I have two restraining orders against him now. What's worse, his mother isn't even dead, I found out. She was actually present at the court hearings. I never looked into the wife part because I just didn't want to know if it was all truly a lie, but... I do know that, uh, Cliff, I never, ever want to see you again. I live in western Kansas, where we tend to have pretty bad snowstorms in the winter. To add to that, I also live near agricultural properties... Tons of farms, animals, crops, and such, so you can go for miles on those flat, empty roads. Thankfully, I have an SUV that handles pretty well in it, since those roads are also hardly touched. So, more or less, I just have to watch out for other people that don't know how to drive in it. Occasionally, you may see a deer or something in the road that you have to stop... Or swerve for too, but as long as you pay attention and know how to drive, you'll be fine. You just have to remember not to freak out or try to overcorrect yourself in it. I always thought it was that simple to follow until a snowstorm that we had a few years back. I was working one evening, trying to decide if I wanted to go through with my overtime or if I wanted to try and get home before there was too much snow. My drive from work to home is somewhere around 45 minutes, and now it would probably take me about an hour with traffic and weather. Of course, my boss made up our decision for us, by forcing us all to go home early, as they expected us there the next day too. My job involved delivering supplies to farmers, such as animal feed, parts and tools for machines like tractors, cultivators, and such, so we really never close. So, I packed up and headed out for the long drive. There was probably already a foot of snow on the ground, so I had to clean off my car first, and, of course, it's not just fluffy snow, it's slushy ice underneath. On top of that, it's after daylight savings, so now it's starting to get dark around 5, and I'm about to leave at around 6. I finish clearing off my windows, letting my car heat up, and then I head out. On my way home, I typically listened to my favorite podcast or a local radio station, depending on weather or traffic so I knew what to expect ahead of me everything seemed fine and as normal as it could be. Eventually, the highway branches off with a little side road that goes on forever, and that I take to get home. As mentioned, this road was rarely taken by others, so the snow was pretty much untouched, and since my vehicle can handle it, I can go the speed limit without being stopped by others around me. Of course, I'm letting my guard down at this point, as I coast along, when I see a person slowly walking across the road. This is in the middle of nowhere, with no homes or businesses even around. Even worse, it was a younger woman, not dressed like she was walking through a snowstorm. She had on shorts and a pink tank top with a hoodie or jacket tied around her waist, with her hair in a ponytail. The snow was high enough that I couldn't even tell if she had shoes on. She got to my side of the road and just stopped walking. She didn't look over at me. She didn't try to move. Nothing. This scared the hell out of me and caused me to slam on my brakes. Of course, slamming your brakes with a slick road doesn't exactly work, though, and I started drifting a bit. I corrected myself thankful there wasn't anyone in the opposite lane, and got back over to mine and then pulled over to the side of the road. I needed to give myself a moment to calm down, and then also try to find this girl. There were no cars from what I could see. Between the snowfall, wind, and darkness, visibility was pretty low to none to begin with, so this girl had to be lost or in trouble. I got out and looked around for a few moments. I hollered out, Hello? Where did you go? Are you okay? Say something if you need help. Not only did I not find this girl or hear any response, but there was no sign of her anywhere. I saw no footprints, no drag marks like she fell or was sitting somewhere. Nothing. At this point, I'm cold ...freaking out and just confused, so I get back in my vehicle and try to process what just happened. Being the person I am, I couldn't just leave knowing someone was out here and again possibly in danger. I called our local police station and let them know what had happened. I had to drive up a little bit to get to a mile marker and try to describe the area as best as I could... I gave them my contact info in case they needed anything else, and they reassured me that they would have someone come out and look around. I believe I stayed there for another 10-15 to minutes to continue trying to relax, and also just hoping that the girl might find her way out into the open so I could help. Neither of those seemed to be happening, so I finally left and continued home. I drove under the speed limit... Radio off, staring intently at the road in front of me until I got home. I hardly slept that night. Maybe it's normal for some to randomly see someone crossing a road or something, but this was out on a rarely used road with nothing around it, and it really messed me up that entire night. I went to work the next day, keeping to myself for the most part, just trying to get past that whole ordeal, After two more days of my normal life, I started thinking that they probably found the person and just thought nothing more of it. That was until the police showed up at my work asking for me. They asked to speak with me in private, so we went into a break room to talk. They started asking me about the woman that I had seen the other day. They asked me to describe what she looked like, what she was wearing, what she was doing... Did she look hurt? Scared? Was she with anyone? All kinds of questions like this, and it kind of started to worry me all over again, so I stopped and asked them what the hell was going on. That's when they finally started explaining. I was giving the description of a girl that had gone missing about a month prior. She still lived with her parents, and had left to go for a walk, and never came back, and hadn't been seen since. I couldn't believe what I was hearing at first. Did I really just see a missing person and then just left the scene? What if something did happen to her? And I had just left. I felt awful. I told them everything I could remember, and then they left thanking me for my help. I always took that road home, so there were some occasions that I would pull over and look around, trying to get the scenario to play in my head again. One day when I was off, I went back to the mile marker, and I walked around looking for anything to try and help, but, of course, I found nothing. I started looking into details on that person's disappearance, and ended up finding a missing persons report on her. The eerie part to me was in the description. The clothes that she was last seen in was that same outfit that I saw her in. I kept checking updates for this girl, seeing if she was ever found, but there was never any good news. In fact, it only got worse. They ended up finding her remains about a month after my incident. I know this because they again came and talked to me about what I saw. The reason was because the state of her remains made it to where there was no way I could have seen her alive when I did. I moved after this. I didn't ever want to take that road again. I didn't believe in the paranormal before, and I'm still a bit sketchy on it, but I know what I saw. I still cannot explain what the hell any of it meant. Back when I was about 16 years old, I had a scary experience with a customer at my job. Although not super important to the story, at the time this happened, I was working as a pharmacy technician at a well-known retail pharmacy in my area. It was my first job, and I had only been working for a couple of months at this point, so I was still getting used to interacting with customers. On the day that it happened, it was relatively busy. I was moving through the customers relatively quickly, using my well-rehearsed motto to greet each customer. Hi, welcome to... the place. How can I help you? You know, the usual stuff. I was halfway through the line when this one man stepped up to the front. He looked like he was probably in his early to mid-twenties... He was tall, skinny, and had dirty blonde hair. He also looked like he had kind of a grunge aesthetic going on, as he was wearing a black beanie and a black leather jacket over a band t-shirt, with chain necklaces and gauges. But I think the first thing I noticed about him was the eyeball tattoo that he had on his hand. It kind of looked like the one on top of the pyramid on the back of the dollar bill. It was a pretty unusual tattoo, which I think is why it caught my eye so quickly. I greeted him as I did any other customer, but his reply took me by surprise. Hi, welcome to... name of the place. How can I help you? You're cute. Can I get your number? I was taken completely off guard by this. He didn't say it in a a creepy way or anything, it was just very upfront and matter-of-fact, which I think is why it startled me so much. At that point, I've never had a stranger ask for my number before, and certainly never in such a brazen way. So, out of shock and stupidity, I blurted out, ''Oh, yeah, okay,'' in response. Please don't ask me why I did this. It's not like he was super ugly or anything like that. But the fact that he had tattoos already gave away that he was already too old for me. In my state, you need to be 18 to get a tattoo. And I wasn't really looking to mingle at that point. I think I just blurted it out because of the shock. I was also a pretty big people pleaser at the time, so... That probably played into it as well. So, here I was with his phone in my hand, realizing that it was way too late to turn back and tell him that I had changed my mind. So, in another act of complete idiocracy, I decided the best course of action was to put a fake number into his phone. This idea was stupid as hell, and I know that now. The whole situation that followed could have been avoided had I just told him no to begin with, or used the classic, I have a boyfriend excuse. Honestly, I think I was just scared, and I wanted the whole ordeal to end as quickly as possible, without the need for confrontation, and in my frazzled, anxiety-ridden state, giving him a fake number seemed like the best way to do it. Luckily, He didn't check his phone to see if the number worked at that moment, so I was able to get his medication and ring him out without any problems. We didn't really talk while I was ringing him out, we just kind of went through the motions of a normal exchange at the pharmacy. He was wearing a mask so I couldn't see his facial expressions, but he did stare at me quite a bit. After the transaction ended... He bid me farewell and promised to text me later. I just kind of chuckled nervously in response and nodded my head. My heart was pounding for a while afterwards, but after an hour or two went by with no incident, I just assumed that he took the hint and was going to leave me alone. Boy, was I wrong. A couple more hours went by, and it was later in the evening. My pharmacist went on break, so it was just me and the two other younger technicians taking care of things. It was pretty dead, so we were just talking amongst ourselves in the back. Then I heard someone yelling at the front desk. Hey! Hey you! I turned around, and my heart dropped into my stomach when I saw the man with the eyeball tattoo standing at the front counter, looking like he was about to flip his lid. I can think of a few times in my life that I've been that scared. My fear only heightened when he told me to come here, and waved over with his finger. I complied, only to seem less suspicious. I walked over to him calmly, and asked him what was up. Did you give me a fake number? I could hear the fury in his voice, and it was obvious that he was speaking through gritted teeth. I insisted that I didn't know what he was talking about, and and that there must have been a mistake. We went back and forth like this for a while, with me denying that I ever gave him a fake number, and him explaining that he knows I did, because when he texted me the number bounced. Finally, after a while of arguing, he seemed to start to believe me, and he calmed down. He handed me his phone again so I could re-enter the number. The issue was, that after that whole ordeal, I knew that I definitely did not want to put my real number into his phone. The dude was obviously a nutjob. I understand he must have been angry at being lied to, and I know that I should have been straight up with the dude, but him coming out of his way to return to the store and confront me was just a huge red flag. Even naive 16-year-old me could see that. Plus, the fact that he had already added the heart-eyes emoji around my name in his phone... was super creepy to me. Finally, my brain decided to start working again... and produce intelligent thoughts because the next plan I came up with... is what inevitably saved me from this situation in the end. When he handed me his phone... I tried to look as calm and nonchalant as possible. I started to type in a number before stopping to look up at him with a blank expression, and say coolly, Oh yeah, one thing, I'm sixteen. Is that going to be a problem? I've never seen a look of shock quite like the one that spread across his face at that moment. His eyes grew to the size of dinner plates, and he just let out this long, Oh, that told me all I needed to know. I slowly handed him his phone back with a, yeah, and he mumbled something that I didn't really hear before he turned around and got the heck out of there. The wave of relief that I felt in that moment was nothing like I have ever felt before. My knees buckled underneath me as my adrenaline rush reached its end. My coworkers consoled me, and told me that I should report him to the pharmacy manager. I told them I would if he ever came back, but I never saw him again after that, so I didn't really see it as necessary. Plus, I didn't even know the guy's name. The identifying feature I remembered about him was the eyeball tattoo on his hand. So, the moral of the story is... Don't give fake numbers to guys unless you can get away with it. And to the man with the eyeball tattoo, I hope we never see each other again. I went to a small-sized school that had K through 12 in a huge building that circled a statue. So, on one side of the statue, that was elementary school, and the other was middle slash high school. Middle school and high school had different bell systems, but we all shared the same teachers for certain classes. Jim was one of those classes, a mix of middle and high school kids. I was a freshman at the time. We had a teacher who was called Mr. Fouts. He was a small, muscular guy. I stood over him, and at first he was a super chill dude. Everyone loved the guy, even the teachers did. I didn't see the hype in the dude, but he was okay. I never got a creepy vibe with him. It wasn't until we had to do some sprints or whatever, and I was pretty good at it that he had me come after class to discuss a few things with me. I did, and he wanted me to join the girls' cross-country team. He said I was exceptional and could use a runner like me. I told him I wasn't interested in playing, even though I did like running, and he was okay with the fact that I was on the fence about it. He then told me how my speed would help get the team to some contest or whatever, and also said how nice I ran. I didn't think much of this, but I told him I would consider it. Over the course of a few days, he started to talk to me more often, then stared at me and we did more running activities than normal. Girls were always on him, and whenever he asked me to see him after class... There was at least two girls in his office. He never let off me joining cross-country, so I started to bug my parents. There was an event at my school which my parents would have an opportunity to meet him. I presented Mr. Fouts to my parents, and didn't notice anything weird. But after they chatted, my stepdad pulled me to the side and said that I wasn't going to join cross-country and that I need to switch out of gym. I was mad and confused. I asked why, and he said until we get home, he would tell me. When we got home, he told me that he doesn't trust Mr. Fouts. He seemed like a predator, and the reason why was because they were talking. Mr. Fouts turned to check out a few girls who were passing by. Then... He mentioned how nice I ran, my form, the way my legs looked as I ran, said I had the perfect body for a runner. I was in disbelief, and I told my dad to stick it where the sun doesn't shine. He was hysterical, and told me to open my eyes and look closer. I did hate my dad at that moment for being overly protective and dismissing the fact that Mr. Fouts was just a well-liked guy. But after that, I noticed the little things. He looked at me up and down. He always found a way to pull me out of class to talk to him about my parents. He started to call me Lolita, like the book. And then, the final straw, he had me come in after class. I went to his office and it was just the two of us. I asked him what he wanted, and he had me sit down. He was disheveled looking, and the office was dim. He asked me again if my parents had reconsidered. I told him no, and he chuckled. I was feeling uneasy and scared. He got up and sat next to me, told me that I had a big opportunity in cross-country, and then proceeded to tell me how nice my legs were, how fit my body was as he talked in a sexy, whispering voice. He put his hand on my shoulder, and it slowly moved down my back. I was feeling awful at that point, and I told him as clear as day, I'm not doing cross-country. I have other important things to do. I stood up and left. I was scared and feeling gross, I went to my next class, and I spent it going over in my head what had happened. I didn't think to go to the school office or anything because he had the whole school on his side. I didn't tell my stepdad because I didn't want him to be right, and the fact that Mr. Fouts didn't do anything legally. So, I shut my mouth and ignored Mr. Fouts for the rest of the first semester, We went back to how Jim usually went, and the girls were still hanging with Mr. Fouts. Then he left to be a firefighter and just never returned. I still hear that girls are friends with him on social media and stuff, but I guarantee you he screwed one of those girls. I'm sure of it. He's one of the reasons I stopped playing sports, which sucks because I loved it but I now can't stand being called Lolita, or people talking about my running. I live in a town which is a lot like a party town, so people come here in the summer to swim in the lake, drink, and party a lot, and then as the autumn hits the tourists go home and the town is silent and peaceful again. Last summer, I was in the city center waiting for my boyfriend to pick me up and go to a trip near the town in the afternoon. I waited in front of a shopping center, so I stood there for about 10 minutes and saw people passing by. There were also some friends who had just got out of the shopping center and then suddenly this old man who seemed to be in his 60s approached me. To be honest, my first thought was that he was a homeless person, because he had dirty looking clothes and long dry hair. Also, he was wearing jeans and a jacket in the middle of the summer, so this was a bit of a red flag to me. To tell about myself, I'm a 20 year old, tall, sporty-built girl with copper-red hair. I can say that I am pretty harsh with beggars and creeps, otherwise you can't get rid of them. So, this man stood in front of me and asked where some good restaurants are nearby. He spoke in English, so I thought maybe he's not a homeless person, and I told him nicely about the restaurants. I used to guide tourists, so it wasn't odd to me. But the odd things happened just after this. He thanked me for the advice, and I thought he would go on his way. But he stayed. He looked me up and down and started to introduce himself. He told me his name and that he was from France, but he didn't have a French accent and asked if I was waiting for someone. I thought that he just wanted to small talk a bit. In my country, not many people speak English well, so they'd rather pretend to not know a word in that language, and it would be nice to a foreigner to speak a bit with someone. So I said yes. I said I was waiting for my boyfriend. He seemed a bit upset after I mentioned my boyfriend. He asked my name... My age, and my gut told me to get the hell out of there, and I lied about both my name and my age. I said I was 16, I don't look like I'm 20 years old anyway, and I wanted to keep my age in the illegal intervals, you know, just in case. He asked if my boyfriend had a car, and what kind of car. I obviously didn't tell him, so I lied again. How old is he? I told him that he was 25. He's 20 as well. I didn't want to be a drama queen, so I pretended to be calm, but all of my nerves screamed at this point. I looked for some familiar people on the street, but there weren't any there. Suddenly, the man grabbed my hand and held it in his hand, and then asked if I would grab a drink with him. I ripped my hand out of his and told him no, asked him what he was thinking, and told him to screw off. I didn't wait for him to leave, so I was the one who left first, and at a super speed I started walking to the nearby skate park, because I knew some of my friends spend a lot of time there. Also, the skate park is right next to the police station, I didn't have the nerve to look behind me, so I just walked as fast as possible. There was no one that I knew at the time, but I saw these boys, sometimes here with my friends, and there also were some who I saw at the high school a few years ago. So I sat on the bench next to some skater's backpack, and then I looked back. The man was on the other side of the street, and he looked directly at me. The boys at the park approached me because they told me that I was pale, and they asked me if I was okay. I told them about the man on the other side of the street, and when everyone looked up at him, he finally left. My boyfriend arrived two minutes later. I texted him where I was before. He was in a traffic jam, so that's why he was late, but it's not a weird thing. There's lots of traffic jams here in the summer so I don't know what it was that that man wanted and what could have happened if I didn't go to the park. I thought after that that maybe I overreacted with the whole situation, but I don't know. Something was really not right with that man. Anyways, I'll never forget the look on his face while he talked to me, and he talked so quiet, and I really just don't know why. This happened a few years ago. My husband and I live in a three-storied apartment, with a covered garage as the first floor building at the time. There were a total of 21 or 22 flats in the building, and each apartment had an associated parking lot in the covered garage on the first floor. One could enter the apartment building either through the garage doors One for coming into the garage and one for exiting, or through either of the main entrances, one that led to the elevator and the other that led to the stairs. In order to enter via these doors, one needed to have a key like all the residents did, or they had to be buzzed in by a resident. Each resident had a remote clicker to open the garage door to let them enter with their vehicle, Once you were in the garage, you could access any part of the building without a key or without being buzzed in. The layout of the garage was in a U-shape. You entered via the right tip of the U and parked your car in your assigned spot. To exit, you drove all the way to the left tip of the U and exited the garage from that end by using the clicker. So, anyways... Let's come back to the Friday evening in question when this incident took place. My husband and I decided to go out to grab a pizza and some drinks, and get them back with us home so we could enjoy them as we watched a movie. When we were about a minute away from our apartment with the food, there was a car that turned on the same road as us. It continued behind us after our car took another turn, We didn't think much of this, as this road was very busy all the time, despite being an inner street. As we approached our apartment garage, my husband who was driving our car clicked the button on the clicker to let us into the garage. Since he clicked it a few moments before we were directly in front of the garage door, we didn't have to wait, and we drove in immediately. As soon as we were in we realized that the car behind us had also entered our garage. It didn't look familiar to us. We'd been living in the apartment for over a year at that point, and there were a limited number of flats and their corresponding cars. This unknown car that had entered behind us followed us until our assigned parking spot and parked in the spot directly next to ours. Now... This is where my husband immediately got suspicious. He told me that this was definitely not the car that usually was parked next to ours. We decided to not get out of our car immediately. By now, the suspicious car was directly next to us, and we were able to clearly see the person at the wheel. It was a guy, possibly in his late 20s, My husband looked at this guy in the eye as our cars sat side by side. I also looked over at the guy suspiciously from the passenger seat. The moment this happened, the guy started his car back on and reversed it out of the parking space. He turned toward the exit of the garage, but wasn't able to get out of the garage as he did not have a clicker. So he just sat there, near the exit in his car. We were watching all of this from our car, from our parking spot. Since the stranger was still inside our garage, I didn't feel safe enough to leave the security of the car. Finally, we decided to get out and rush home to our apartment. The stranger was still waiting near the exit when we went up to our apartment. We both agreed that this guy sneaking into our apartment garage behind us Briefly parking in a private space, and then trying to just leave was creepy and suspicious. We weren't quite sure what we should do next. I remember being scared and double locking our door. I called up our building super and narrated the incident to him. He lived near the building and said that he would arrive shortly. Since we were hungry, we ate the pizza but weren't able to relax. Upon going down to the garage to check to see if the strange guy was still inside, we saw that he was no longer there. The super came along, and upon checking the CCTV footage of him, we saw that the strange guy had waited for a while, but left upon figuring out a way to get out of the garage, possibly by pressing a button next to the exit door inside the garage. It was an extremely unsettling encounter. This story happened to me a few years ago, and sometimes still makes me anxious. I tried posting this to Let's Not Meet, and they said it would be better here, so here we are. I had this classmate who skipped most of the classes until the final two months of school, and we were like 13 at the time, so everyone thought this was super strange because her mom had been notified by the school a lot of times, and she would still not come in. In those last two months where she actually attended, we got close. Because we both liked anime, and since she was also a girl, I felt much more comfortable talking about it with her than my male classmates, as I was still terrified of men after a, essay incident that happened with a friend of my dad. One day, we went together to my martial arts class because she wanted to see how it was, and she kept a plastic container that I couldn't see through, and a card in a plastic bag. I thought about it, but since she avoided the question, I left it as it was. When we left the class, she gave me the bag, and it had a Snickers in the box, and the card had a pressed flower inside with a confession. She asked me to be her girlfriend, to which I politely declined, since I had no romantic feelings for her. After that, it got awkward, and I hurried to leave her by the building's door and left. After that, she started skipping class again, and I was thankful because I didn't know how to act with her. Sometime later in the last days of school that year, I discovered that before she asked me, she spread to the whole school how she felt about me, and outed me as bisexual for everyone in the school, even though my tight-knit class of eight people were the only ones I had come out to, and on one of the days that she did attend, she tried to get everyone to pity her and pressure me into giving up and start dating her. Creepy, but okay. She moved schools, and I didn't hear from her for some time, until I started bumping into her a lot when I went out, which wasn't really that strange since we lived close by. After New Year's, but before classes got back, I had to go to the store to get some things for dinner that my mom asked me to, and when I got home, I saw a message from her saying she saw me leave when she was walking around my block, and to see if she could know where I was, and then proceeded to follow me to the supermarket and take a picture of me with said picture of me trying to choose vegetables attached. I freaked out and showed it to my dad, saying that I was afraid and asked if we could get a restraining order or something, but he said it wasn't necessary since there was nothing she could do to me, as we were both teenagers. I didn't block her, since I wanted to know if she would send me something else, but she didn't send anything after that and when I thought I was safe and that she had given up, she appeared in my martial arts class with her elderly grandmother and kept asking to be paired up with me. I was terrified and paired with my friend who was a very nice elderly lady as soon as I could, and she had to be paired up with her grandmother. After that, she vanished. I never ran into her again, Never received another message, she never showed up there again, and when class got back, I discovered that she had apparently moved with her mother to another state. I was sitting alone at a bus stop at 9pm, in a fairly crowded area, When out of my peripheral vision, I see someone walk towards the bus stop, and just stand there on the side for a bit. The person starts circling the bus stop, which strikes me as odd, but not necessarily concerning. When the bus arrives, I get on and notice the guy does not. But as the bus starts moving, he starts running parallel with it then makes eye contact with me, and gets on at the next stop. This is off a main street, and the stops in this section are only a couple of blocks apart. Now, I'm actually starting to feel kind of freaked out. I keep an eye on his movement, and note that he sits three rows behind me on the opposite side of the aisle. Not wanting to inadvertently make eye contact... I turn forwards but try to keep him in the corner of my eye. After the bus starts moving again, I sense movement, and I think in a joking manner, if that's that weirdo relocating to sit behind me. I turn back a little just to check, and feel a sudden sinking feeling when it is actually him. Now, I am scared. Not wanting to have him out of my direct line of vision, I look at him so he can see that I do in fact notice him, and that I now know his face. I get up, and I stand at the back door of the bus, which is right behind his seat, and I stare directly at the back of his head, hoping it sends the message that I'll get confrontational in the public setting if he tries to do anything. I get off a couple of stops early before my actual destination, start slowly walking in the opposite direction of where I live, and make sure he hasn't also gotten off. Fortunately, he doesn't. After the bus moves on with the creep still on it, I start walking home with pepper spray in hand, while being extra vigilant in case he got off at any stops up ahead, and tried to follow me from there. To my relief, I don't see him when I get to my building, and I rush inside. If he had been there, I would have walked past my building and gone inside a restaurant at the next block to get help, and of course use the pepper spray if he got close. I'm sure it depends on the situation, but sometimes direct acknowledgement of a creeper's presence can act as a deterrent. I was in my late teens to early twenties when this happened. My boyfriend at the time had been flagged down by our neighbor at the top of our street because he would drive fast down the road sometimes. The man freaked out at him one day, and from then on, that neighbor didn't like us. I agree with the lead foot, but he was rather rude about the whole interaction. From then on, We kept to ourselves and ignored this guy, because of his aggressive and weird vibe. One night, two of our friends came over, and they asked if we wanted to walk over to the airfield slash golf course area near our house, and we agreed. I was feeling ill all day with a horrible stomach ache, and after about an hour of hanging around... I asked if we could all as a group please go back to the house. They were hesitant because the night was young to them, but agreed. We get to the top of my street, and I feel my stomach churning, and I tell our friends to meet us at the house while my boyfriend helped me. They walk ahead. At this point, we're in front of that neighbor's house across the street, and I start violently puking in the bushes, trying to catch my breath. My boyfriend is aiding me and patting my back and rubbing in circles. I notice that he stopped. He freezes and then very quietly says to me, Let's go, come on, right now. I instantly shudder because of his tone drop. I'm still throwing up at this point, so it's a bit difficult for me to think about walking. I think I said something like, I can't, just wait, just wait for me. He quietly says through his teeth in a slight panic, Now. At this point, I'm terrified. I start walking with him, and he says, Walk normally, stay at my pace, I'll tell you when we get to the house. Apparently, that neighbor was creeping around near us when I was sick on the road. It was after midnight at this point. He said that he saw him outside in the dark in his driveway, and didn't think that we noticed him, but my boyfriend said that he saw this man crouch and walk around his car in the driveway watching us. That's it, just watching. The crouching and hiding is what freaked me out. The man was already off and just weird, and the whole thing just weirds me out to this day. This encounter happened this late afternoon. I'm still very shaken up about this and cannot get it out of my mind, so bear with me. My day started as it normally does. Early morning work shift, come home, drive my partner to work, come home to nap. However, when I got home, my partner texted me saying to pick them back up, because they just got news they were laid off for the winter due to a very slow season. I went back out, came back, and went from my nap while my partner went to play video games. I was in a pretty deep sleep with my favorite TV show playing as background that I've seen a million times. About two hours or so later, I'm woken up to my creaky front door being opened followed by a deep and unfamiliar, hello? I listened intently as I thought it could be my partner's friend, who often stops by. I didn't hear anything further, so I shrugged it off to my TV and tried to go back to sleep. Shortly after that, I hear my partner open their bedroom door and I hear them yell, who the hell are you and why are you in my house? I panic, as I don't know who they're talking to, but I listened to the short interaction. An older man, very startled by my partner's presence, explained that he had watched a package be delivered, and after no one came to get the package right away, he decided to come inside. The package was still on my porch afterward. My partner tells the stranger who had been walking directly towards my bedroom to leave, and that they were calling the police. The man lingers, stalling my partner, and asks if he can use our bathroom. They say, No, get out! And the man slowly makes his way out and drives away. We called the police immediately after he left, giving them his vehicle descriptions. I called my neighbor to let him know to keep an eye out, and he informed me that when he came home two to three hours earlier, that vehicle was parked at the end of our street, and when he drove by, the man had covered his face. I can't stop thinking that this man knows my schedule, and has targeted me for something, but I'm so lucky that, today of all days, I was not home alone. That was today's episode of the As The Raven Dreams podcast. Thank you so very much for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed these scary stories. If you want to support the channel further, please do consider checking out my YouTube channel. Just search As The Raven Dreams on YouTube and subscribing. You can also join the channel or go to my Patreon for early access to all of my content. All of it's appreciated and never expected. But if it happens, thank you. All that said, friends... I will see you on the next episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. But of course, until then, sleep well.